Yeah, yo, yeah, yo. Anjing haseyo, otoki jineyo, kicking off with the ocho. Salut. Bienvenue au podcast de Tribble Trip. Welcome to the Travel Tribe podcast. Welcome to Travel Tribe, where we invite some of the greatest adventurers out there to hear their stories of working, traveling, and studying abroad. Our guest today, Zahid Hussein, has done the trifecta and done all three. Born and raised in a small hut in the Himalayan mountains of Pakistan, he took a huge leap of faith and moved to Korea to pursue his studies. There, he transformed from being an ordinary expat to becoming a leader in the foreign community with his own followers and fans. Watching his transformation and rise throughout the years, I wanted to dissect what skills and qualities he has that allowed him to become so immersed and influential in Korean life as a foreigner, even working with well-respected top senior ministers and resulting in being named Honorary Citizen of Seoul and Honorary Ambassador of the 2018 Pyeongchang Winter Olympics. Outside of that, he has gone on to starting Korea's largest international grocery marketplace, Shejang.com. Today, we chat not only about his journey moving to the busy metropolis of Seoul, but also the rise of Korean culture across the world, including K-pop, K-beauty, and Korean food, as well as a personal story of mine, the one time I almost threw up at a Korean restaurant trying to eat hanjio, a fermented skate. He'll also be discussing his work bridging cultural differences between Pakistan and Korea, and finally, his experiences starting a business in Seoul. It's a pleasure to welcome Zahid Hussein to the Travel Tribe. I'm so glad to be on Jordan's show today, the Travel Tribe. You know, I've been, I was waiting to talk to this guy for such a long time, and finally I'm here with this amazing guy. He was an amazing guy when he was back in Seoul. You know, we had a great time together, and it's so, so good to be here with you today. Hey, buddy. Thank you so much for the kind words, Zahid. But it's not about me today. It's about you. When we first, when I was first coming up with this idea of interviewing people across the world who are making a big impact as travelers or as expats, you were the first person I thought of because uh, you honestly immerse yourself so much into the Korean culture. And I was while we were while I was prepping this show and researching, I saw some of your pictures throughout the years, and it's been such a transition. You've you've gone from this expat <laughs> to gentleman over here has got his unique uh, glasses and his suit and he's so involved. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, you know, you're doing a great show. I was watching it. You know, you, you brought up some amazing people on your show and it was really good to learn from them. And, you know, being a traveler myself, you know, travel to a new country and, you know, settling down and then like knowing other people who have similar stories, but uh, different in some ways, you know, there are a lot of things to learn from. And, you know, your show is doing a great job and, you know, I'm learning a lot of things. And today I'm finally lucky and very happy to be here. And thank you for having me here. And I hope today all viewers from all around the world, uh, including Pakistan, the U.S., Korea and all around the world, I'm sure they're going to have a good time. I hope they could learn just a single thing at least. So let's dive into it. I'm excited to get started because there were so many things that I want to talk about. Bring us back to your childhood. What was life like in the Himalayas? I think we need to get a good understanding of how you grew up to give a perspective to people around the world. What was your childhood like? My hometown is a very small town in the extreme north of Pakistan, in the Himalaya and Karakaram Mountains. We have three mountain ranges. 
uh, you know, because you have a lot of travelers uh, on travel drive. Uh, mm -hmm. Pakistani North is full of full of mountains. There are too many mountains, a <laughs> lot more mountains. Uh, you know, uh, if you if you add up all, all the mountains in China and the, and Nepal, all the six thousand meter above mountains, Pakistan will have more than both of those countries together. So uh, you know that's that's where I belong to, and my hometown is very near to K2, the second highest mountain in the world. But I was born on one of the top, one on top of one of those mountains you see behind there. It was a small village called Karman, and my hometown is at a height of almost 4,000 meters from sea level. Mm -hmm. When you see, when you say 4,000 meters, man, the life is different over there. There's less oxygen, there's less pressure. The people who are living in those mountains, they're super, super nice, super simple, straightforward people, very hospitable. For us, like we have a culture that we we call guests are our blessings. So whenever somebody travel to our places, we treat them as like blessings. You know, we think them as blessings. So we treat them very well. And uh, we live in such a place which is kind of far from the cities and you don't have a lot of good facilities in those parts of the world. Okay, so you went from this, uh, these humble dwellings and you decided, hey, I want to do something bigger. I want to do something else. And so walk us through what made you decide on Korea and how did you go through with that? That's a really interesting story. Actually, yeah, I think that this story is one of the most important aspects of my life, I would say, because uh, my life was totally changed. Uh, in the sense that I, I found a new house, I, I found a new home and, you know, I mean, a lot of, lot of new things opened up for me. I was growing up in that small town. I, my entire education till high school was in that small town. Uh, but luckily I went to a good school, uh, Cadet College Cardu in my high school. And there we had this opportunity, opportunity to learn about the world, uh, about different countries, about, about different cultures and stuff. Then I started like feeling like, uh, oh, wow, there are a lot more things than, than, than I, expect, I expected uh, in the world, you know. And then I started thinking of little, little bigger things. I started thinking of little bigger things when I was in high school. And then after my high school, I looked for opportunities for university in Pakistan, too. You know, when I saw the university rankings and university environment and the level of learning that you can get from the universities, I found, uh, you know, uh, less universities in Pakistan, uh, unfortunately. But now we have like really good universities in Pakistan, too. But that time in 2006 and 2007, you know, we had some good universities, but it was really competitive. And I was not that smart to get into those universities, you know. Mm -hmm. Then I started looking for different different other countries, and I found a scholarship in Italy, Malaysia, South Korea, and some other countries. Some of my friends went to Italy, but like I was also making up my mind to go to Italy because we never heard about Korea at that time in Pakistan, especially in my hometown. We we heard some few things, some some uh, home appliances that we used in the homes were from some Korean companies, and we knew it, uh, like LG, Samsung, and these mm -hmm. companies. Italy was something that we were more familiar among the, the countries that were given scholarship at that time. And some of my high school friends made it to Italy. And I also got a scholarship in Italy. But at the same time, I also applied to a scholarship in Korea because I was thinking like when I was a, when I was a kid, I used to think like we should always do something different from the, the public. You know, we should, if, if, if there's a chance for you to do something differently, then I think there will be more, more doors for you 
uh, more opportunities for you. That's where I decided to like Italy. I think a lot of people are going there. Italy, we know already uh, about Italy a lot. We know pasta, spaghetti. We know movies from Italy, you know. But Korea was something new, especially for people in my hometown. And that's where I, I saw the opportunity. Although I didn't know anything about Korean culture, I had no friends in Korea. But I, I took this as a, as, a, as a good challenge for myself. And I said, like, I will put, it, put myself in this, in this challenge and uh, I will try to do something different from other people. And that's, that's how I decided to come to Korea. So I actually, you are literally just telling the same story of my progression to Korea as well. I was going to go teach. I wanted to start teaching and I was going to go to Spain. But then I was like, hey, I want to go somewhere so different that I don't know anything about it. I mean, if I go and it's just terrible, they don't like me, uh, you know, I just don't, I hate it. Like everything is like, they just want me to leave. And I just leave and it's one year of my yeah. life, I learned a bit about Asia, but that was exactly the same thing I was thinking. Why don't I do something kind of different and, and, and open up my mind a little bit? And it, and it led to this beautiful experience. Did you have any fears uh, going to Korea? Well, yeah, because, you know, I, I belong to a very small town, as you see. Um, I told you about my hometown, the way the way we were living there. And then all of a sudden I was going to a country which was like very developed and very fast and, you know, like a like a like huge cities and stuff. And I was a little bit scared. And uh, when I landed in in Incheon for the first time, I was a little bit scared to see all those uh skyscrapers and the tall buildings and stuff there because I had always seen mountains around my home you know and then when I moved to the south like a, a southern part of Pakistan I did see a lot of a uh, lot of crowd and a lot of buildings but you know this was different so I was a little bit scared like oh my god this is totally different I don't know how would I survive here uh, and then I, 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 I took it I took a car that was sent by my university and I slept in the car when I woke up I was in the mountains again <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm in the mountains. I'm in the mountains again because I, I was, uh, you know, I went to a university in Chunan City, which was not Seoul. It is like two hours away from Seoul. And this, the university was literally in the mountain. There was nothing else. There was like uh, there was the school and there was the dormitory. And that's it on top of a mountain. I was like so happy. Yeah, this is good, man. I'm, I'm, I'm back at the same place. And that's where I started. But then like, you know, uh, I got used to with this this kind of new environment for with 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 time, and the the biggest fear for me was food because you know I belong to a Muslim country and we eat halal food as you know and uh, I was a little bit scared that like because I don't know the language I don't know the culture I don't know anybody here and I don't know how to explain that I I I eat halal food and I need halal food otherwise I wouldn't be eat, I can't eat anything so that was a little bit of fear. Uh, and I did have some problems actually because of food in the beginning, because it was totally a countryside in Korea. It wasn't mm -hmm. a, a big city, and but the school was very cooperative. They they tried to help me. There were some some people who spoke English, and they kind of helped us. And uh, you know, we made through it. We made through it, man. Like me. How would you feel uh, that Korea is towards the Muslim population in terms of being friendly towards food choices and stuff like that? That's a really good question and a really like big question uh, for me. But like, you know, this is a question that I talk about a lot. When I came in 2008, things were totally different. People didn't know what is halal food. And at that time, unfortunately, uh, like the 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 like Muslims were, uh, you know, Muslims were connected to terrorism and because in the news, always 
like bad things were uh, shown about the Muslims and you know people people didn't want to know the Islamic culture, what is halal food, what how what 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 is the style of life the Muslim people want. They weren't interested in these kind of things and they were actually a little bit scared of these kind of things because you know the media was making a tube uh, like very very noisy image uh, about the Muslims. So at that time it was a little bit hard like they didn't know about halal food and there were many halal restaurants there were not many grocery shops where you know you can buy halal meat and stuff like that but with the passage of time i have seen korea growing really really fast in terms of accepting cultures you were here jordan you knew that there were there was there were some troubles that foreigners face sometimes but you see after a couple of years that I, after you left korea things are different like korea, the good thing about koreans is like Maybe it's an educated community. It's an educated nation. Uh, thanks to King Sejong, he made a he made the Korean language very easy for his people to get educated. You know, right? Hangul. Yeah. So I mean, this is like this is one of the strongest aspect of uh, Korean culture, like Korea as a nation, that they are ready to learn. They're ready to learn from people who are doing better than them. Mm. You know, they don't say like, "Oh, we don't need to learn from anybody." No, they always say we need to learn from other people. So they kind of learn from other countries who are doing better for multiculturalism and especially for, from a Muslim's perspective. You know, things 10 years ago were totally different. As I said, there were not restaurants, much restaurants. There, was, there, was, there were no grocery shops. But now, wherever you go in Korea, you will find halal restaurants. You will find halal grocery shops. Uh, and you will find the Korean government doing a lot to make Korea look like a Muslim-friendly country. And they did a lot of things, man. So I'm really happy. I'm really happy for, with all the developments that is uh, that are happening in Korea. This this uh, topic you bring about education, I think, is really interesting in Korea. I actually remember uh, going, my brother came to visit me, my younger brother, and we went to go play park golf in Jamshil. And uh, it was just, it's just a fun, like, you know, a game. But we had, like, the Ajushis and Ajumas coming over and being like, teaching us how to play. And we're just like, we're just having fun. But th you're right. They every single opportunity is like, is a chance for them to learn. Because I remember my brother was like, why are they like, we don't know this guy, but he just wanted them to, to <laughs> exactly. get better at park golf, you know? And uh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That, that's yeah. really cool. And, and, I, and I can't agree with you anymore. I mean, I haven't been in Korea for the last three, four years, but it, even when I was leaving, it was very multicultural. You know, each week I would try to go to a new restaurant and there was some great, fantastic food from all over the world. Nepalese food, African True. food, Moroccan, of course, Casablanca over there. We have great multicultural yeah. food in, in Korea, and it's becoming more and more this melting pot. So True, uh, True. I wanted to also and that now get into how did you get so immersed into Korean culture? I mean, there are so many other students that come to Korea. There are so many expats and teachers, but you really kind of just dove in and, I mean, really immersed yourself. What was the inspiration for this? As I said, like I, I saw, I, I, I thought Korea. I took Korea as as an opportunity to learn new things, and uh, the most important thing that I wanted to learn about was uh, was a, a different culture and a different language. Uh, I had a lot, a lot of friends who used to say like, "Oh, I wouldn't go to Korea because uh, the program that I came it was a global Korea scholarship uh, program that is that is done by the Korean uh, Ministry of Education, and you know, in, in that program, we have to learn Korean for one year. 
And most, many people would say like, oh, I wouldn't waste my time, one year time to learn the language and then my, my, my school will, de- will be delayed by one year. And I don't want to graduate a year later than I, you know, I was planning to. Uh, some people think like that, but I thought like, oh no, I think learning a new language is going to be a big tool for me uh, wherever I go in my life. Like even like if I go back to Pakistan after le- learning the language, I think I will have a lot of better opportunities than uh, people in Pakistan because I have something new that a lot many people don't have. So I wanted to learn the language and I wanted to learn the culture. Uh, so that that was my initial initial actually the the the, the plan that for which I came to Korea. And after coming to Korea, man, like you know, as I said, like in the beginning, I had a hard time. But then, as I spent time here, I found Korea to be uh, to be a place where where not I I. I not only have the the opportunity to learn Korean culture and Korean language, but compared to Pakistan, compared to my hometown, although we have tourists from all over the world, but compared to that in in Korea, I had people from all over the world. So I was like, oh, this is the place where I really needed to be because, you know, I can meet people from all over the world. You know, the first time when I came to Korea, I used to, I I went to a good school, high school. I'm, I'm, I'm not showing it off, but like, you know, I, I'm telling you the, the fact that I went to a good high school and my English wasn't that bad back home when I was in Pakistan. And English is the official language of Pakistan, but you know, uh, we still have an accent. But when I came to Korea with that accent, I spoke Korean English to my colleagues and my, my teachers, and they wouldn't understand me much. Why? Because my accent is different. Yeah. Koreans are very only familiar with the American accent. And you know, at that time, I, I had this in my mind, like, oh, I have to learn English again, too. So I started like, you know, Korea, there wouldn't be any better place for me uh, to learn English also. And at the same time, Korean and Korean culture than Korea, because in Korea, there are a lot of foreigners, especially a lot of teachers and, and soldiers from America. We used to play football together. Like we have people from all over the world. You see, like we, we had a football team. We played together in Soul Storms, Phoenix. We had people like one time in Phoenix, we had people from 17 different countries. A, a great melting pot here. So this is where I started like, oh, Korea, this is the place where I need to be. And then like, you know, because Korea has a unique culture, they have a unique language and English is not very much used in here. So I, I, I learned English uh, with my friends. At the same time, I said like, okay, uh, I need because I want to learn. I want to I want to know Korea from the depth. I want to learn Korean culture from the depths. So I have to study the language really hard. Mm-hmm. So that's where I decided to learn the language really hard and and learn the culture really hard. The the reason why I made a difference than other foreigners was because I not only learned the culture but I reacted from the depth of my heart. I respected the culture. Because we have learned from, we learned this from when we when we are young in the in, in Pakistan in the Himalaya especially that you should always uh, accept the differences and respect them and respect new things in your life. So this was what I learned uh, learned back home. And then when I came here, like you know, I, I started respecting the culture more than learning the culture. I started respecting it and I started taking it as as not not something to only learn but to feel it in my body, to, to get everything in my body. And, you know, that's what I was feeling. So uh, when when Koreans started, like, meeting me, talking to me, like, 
and 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 when I started meeting them and talking to them, they kind of felt like, oh, this guy really really loves our culture and really respects our culture. So they would like talk to me more and help me more, and, and you know, uh, that gave me like this this opportunity to to learn the culture from the people, not only in university but from the local people in the streets, in the buses. I used to do. This is a tip for anybody who learning uh, a language. This is a tip that I I used in my life. When you learn a new language, don't just learn from the school, because in the school you will learn an academic language. You will learn from the teacher. Only one person. You, you will be learning from, but I think a language should be learned from different age groups. Mm -hmm. So you should learn from kids. You should learn from your age people. You should learn from younger people. You should learn from older people. You should learn from anybody. So I used, I, I had friends in university where I used to practice the Korean language and I wanted to also practice with old Ajumas and Ajushis, but I, I don't have that. Like I don't have them around because I don't know anybody. So what I used to do, when I take a bus or a subway in 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 Korea in in Seoul, when I came to Seoul, I used to see where an ajuma or ajushi is sitting, <laughs> and then <laughs> and then if they if they have a vacant seat next to them, I would go sit down, take it easy for a bit, and then when they feel relaxed, because you know, like long time ago, people were like they feel a little bit shy when the foreigner sits next to them because they they think that we don't speak Korean and they don't speak English. So they're kind of like shy. If we ask something, they're kind of shy. So we just sit down, take like feel, make them feel relaxed and then say like, something like that, you know, where are you going? Uh, I'm a new person in Korea. And then, you know, 10 years ago, now it's different. Now there are a lot of foreigners who speak really good Korean, but 10 years ago, there were not many foreigners who would speak Korean. So, when you when you speak to the old ajumas and ajushis, they will be like, "Oh my God, this is so cute!" A foreigner speaking Korean, and they would be so happy, and they would talk to you more. And this is how I I started learning from the old uh, group people, right? So, uh, you know, I tried to learn from different different age groups and different sort of people, people from different backgrounds, playing football and speak Korean, go to school, speak Korean go to go to parties and have fun and speak Korean and play field hockey, speak Korean, this kind of thing, like different kind of people. So that's how I think I, I picked up the language kind of better than most of the people who only go to school and try to study Korean. And uh, the culture, as I said, like, you know, I, I fell in love with the culture as I started learning the language. And when I go went into the depth of the, the language, I started reaching the depth of the culture too, because language is a part of culture. And when you when you learn language, you learn culture uh, in parallel. So when I started learning more more details of the culture, it was it, it's a beautiful culture, man. Like that love, I think, gave me a strength and power to to go more and more and more. And that's how I made it uh, here uh, to the place where I am today. Uh huh. That's really great, and I, I think uh, people can really realize your uh, love for the Korean culture. And I, I also kind of really enjoyed it and it was eye-opening for me when I went there like simple things that I don't know for anyone from America you know we're very used to individualism so for example you're going to Fridays or some restaurant you order food you're all ordering by yourself it's like oh what are you getting oh I'm getting this like don't touch it this is my zone right <laughs> yeah yeah you're like my first meal and they're like all right what are we getting you know like oh like I want jamshu I want or, or, I want this I want that and all of a sudden it's like we're eating together in this beautiful like 
community culture is something that I was not used to in the beginning. And I remember going back home and I remember my, my brother was at like a Twix bar and he opened and started eating. And I'm like, dude, why aren't you asking if I want some, you know, because it's such a, like a, it's a community based <laughs> always about everybody sharing and, and being together. And it is very beautiful. Right. Now you brought up the food, like, you know, the, the way I, I didn't have a lot of food in Korea to eat because, because of the halal uh, problem. So in the beginning, what, like the, the way I got used to with Korean food and I, I started loving the Korean food was I first, this is, this could be again, a tip to a lot of people who go to new places, who travel to new places. You know, it's, it's hard for you to, to, to survive in a different culture, which you never heard about before. And if, even if you heard, you never tried the food, different kinds of food, and you're used to with the one type of food or one, uh, one type of food in your country. Like I, I, I started with finding similar food in Korea that I have back home in Pakistan. Mm -hmm. uh, so that kind of made it easy for me. Like, oh, so samgyetang, you, you might love samgyetang, right? You know, you, lo you love samgyetang, the chicken soup, the chicken yeah, soup yeah. That, we, that we eat when we get sick and stuff. You know, we, we have some similar food back home in Pakistan, uh, like a soup, uh, which is very similar to samgyetang. And that's how I, 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 I kind of like found out that samgyetang is one, like it is very similar to one of the dishes back home. And that's that's where I started eating samgyetang, and it was so good. And mm -hmm. then when I started samgyetang, I started trying some kimchi mm -hmm. and trying something else, you know, side dish and stuff. And that that kind of like you know built it up, built it up. And then I found some new food, which which pretty were similar to to the food that we have back back home. And that's how I built I built the the appetite of 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 myself for the Korean food. And then I started like trying different, all the different kind of food in Korea and Korean food is like very diverse and it's, it's, it's really healthy. So yeah, I, I started loving the food too. Yeah. Good. We have a question here from yeah. lifetime travel mates. It says, what's your favorite and least favorite Korean food? So my, my, I have, I cannot say one favorite food because I have three favorite foods. I never could decide which one is the best. Mm -hmm. um, but it's like, when I say it to Koreans, they kind of laugh because the, the kind of food that I like, only old ajushis and ajumas eat them most of the time. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, I, I, I love those kind of foods. So the first uh, most delicious food for me in Korean uh, food food culture is samgyetang. Uh, and parallel is chuotang. It's, again, a type of soup, soup but a seafood soup. Uh -huh. uh, chuotang. And kongnamul kukpap. Kongnamul kukpap is like a long, long, like 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 the 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 long vegetables uh, in a, with rice and egg and uh, in a kind of like soup together. Uh, so these three three dishes are my favorite dishes in Korean food. But the worst, like, I wouldn't say the worst. The I would say maybe the least favorite was uh, was a was a kind of fish, man. It uh, I forgot the name, but it it smells like like ammonium. Ah, is it, it's fermented, it's, it's fermented stingray. Exactly. Yeah, 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 man. That's what I, I tried it once and man, I, I, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't stand that food. It smells so weird. It smells so weird. A lot of people like it, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't stand with that food. I talked about this on another show we had, and I had a friend visiting me in Korea. We actually went to the, the, fit, the seafood market over there where you get, you can buy, um, 
You can buy raw seafood in the bottom. So you go in and like, go ahead and negotiate with the Ajumas and you know, they're like, oh, they're getting so into it. And so, <laughs> so we had like, we, we like put like 40,000 won. We're like, all right, we're gonna get what we can get. And uh, they were like, let's try something different, something unique. And we go to the Ajima and we see, we see this weird creature and she's like, she's like, she's like, we're like, we'll take that. And uh, she's like, let's just smell it. And it just smelled terrible. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> let's get, let's get it, let's try it. And I thought they were going to cook it. Like I thought they were going to bake it or cook it. And uh, we go upstairs to the restaurant yeah. where they start it. and everything else comes like the, the shrimp, the fish come all like, you know, in soups or grilled. And all of a sudden this thing comes back again, raw. And I'm like, am I supposed to eat this? And the guy's like, oh, kunchaneo. And toast. And literally within seconds, it's just like we're both red and heaving because it's like ammonia. So you have to out. And the Koreans next to us are laughing. They're like, "Dude, who are these clowns?" Right? And uh, man, <laughs> yeah, that is really the worst food I have ever had in my life. Just because I like trying new things, but I almost threw up from trying to eat that fermented stingray. I'm living in Europe now, and we were talking about this a little bit earlier about the rise of Korea. And I mean, Korean culture is really starting to kind of permeate around the world. I mean, we got K-pop. I had, there are so many Korean restaurants here in Europe. I mean, Korean culture and Korean beauty products. I mean, Korean baseball league now is on ESPN. I mean, Korea has really just like, it has gone from this obscure country that no one really knew about when I was there. And now it's just kind of like, I feel like filtering everywhere. You know, I lived in Korea for 12 years and I, I, I learned a few things about Korea, Korean people and their mentality. Koreans would always say, uh, whatever they start, they want to be number one. Mm-hmm. This is this is this is something that you will find in everything. Like you know, whatever they start. When you talk about Korean culture now becoming a global, uh, you know, like global thing all over the world, is like they they started uh, investing in culture in the 1990s. They started this long time ago. I met I met some uh, policymakers in Korea, like some ministers and stuff, people like that. They they would they would tell me like. You know, long time ago, like countries would be uh, measured or, or, or like, you know, they would be calculated in terms of how strong their army is, how strong their economy is and, you know, stuff like that. But now people in the modern age, when the world has become a global village, you know, everybody knows each other, everybody's connected. Mm-hmm. Now you cannot like, you know, just stay within yourself. You have to, you have to grow, you have to open up everything in this kind the world the thing that would make a difference would be how beautiful your 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 culture is how accepting you are for other cultures how much respect you give to people from different parts of the world and different cultures this was the mentality they started uh, growing up with uh, from the 1990s and they invested a lot in k-pop they invested a lot in k-drama k-beauty you know like k-movies now you know after parasite uh, winning the Oscars, like, yeah. you know, even the movie industry has grown so fast. And, you know, like, the, I think, like, the main reason behind all these kind of things, all these promotions, all these developments that Korea is making is they are really hardworking people. I, I, I see them, like, working day and night. Like, you might have seen them. They would work from morning to evening at, at work, uh, at work, and then they go drinking and drink till 2 a.m. And then they go home totally drunk. And then 7 a.m. they're back in the offices. Yeah. This is, you know, I mean, this is this is something we can, we cannot do. Yeah. But you know, they do it. Like 
maybe because of the his, historical background they had, like, you know, after Japan colonizing it and the North, North Korea attack in South Korea and this kind of background they had. And then I think these, these tough times made them really strong and made them like hardworking people. And that's why now they're like, you know, opening up for, for new things, man, you know, like K beauty, K food, K culture, K drama, K movies, even K sports. Now, as you said, like baseball, even like soccer, they play really nice soccer. We play together, you know, like how fast they are and how, how organized they play. They, they, they give like 110% of in whatever they start with. So yeah. that's, that's like why they're, they're growing up all around, man. Yeah, that this this whole Bali Bali culture of working really quickly, of, of working super hard. And I remember it's, it's a double-edged sword, though, because you do get a lot of great progress from it, but you also can get burnt out from it. I remember kind of getting burnt out from this exactly. working, working, working uh, aspect when I was in Korea. I mean, I was working all the time. And I visited my uh, my grandma in the countryside in Europe, and uh, I came back. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to – I'm not going to get – into this Bali Bali quick, quick, quick work, work, work uh, culture when I get back to Korea. And all of a sudden I remember the bus is there and I'm like, oh, I got to get catch that bus. And then all of a sudden I was like, boom, I'm back to <laughs> Korean Bali Bali culture. You know, I'm going to work and I'm going to go to this and I got to go to 7-Eleven, get a quick meal. And yeah. It's, it's, it's Korean. Yeah. You work really, really hard. As you mentioned about the negative, negative aspect of, you know, the Bali Bali culture and working really hard, working too much, only work and no life. There's no work and life balance. I, I look, I, I see this even as a positive thing uh, because, you know, Korea had a really tough, uh, tough background. Countries like, for example, countries like America, Europe, they have long history and they've been there for a long time. So the, the work culture, you know, the, the style of working is a little bit different. But countries like Korea, they did have a long history. But, you know, after after the colonization and after the Korean War, uh, it's a really short history, and till now they they were they, even if they want to keep a work and life balance, they couldn't do it because they wanted to build their country really strong and really good. So they had to work really. They had no uh, nothing else than than working hard because they don't have any resource. You know, they don't have any oil, they don't have any gas, nothing like that. They build the country with hard work. They build the country with education. Their only resource is education, and their only uh, another resource we we could say is hard work. So now they built this country and now the country is doing fine. And now the government are is changing policies, bringing work and life balance, you know, uh, focusing more on family life, you know, uh, don't work after 6 p.m. Now the go government finds companies if they make people work after 6 p.m. So mm -hmm. things are changing, you know. I mean, it took, some, it took them some time, but now things are changing. So I'm very positive about it. I'm very positive about it. I remember hearing one of my classes that like the GDP of Korea during right after the Korean War was similar to that of Congo. Uh, so they were a very poor country during that time period. And, you know, they really got after it. And they had that Han River um, economic miracle where they just really built up this miracle, economic yeah. system that most people didn't think would ever happen. Um, and that is so exactly. important in the culture. I was teaching actually business students uh, when I was in Korea, actually in Seoul. And I had a couple of students that went to go uh, do a gap year or internship in Spain. And, you know, in Spain is so different where they have the, oh my gosh, what they call uh, the naps during the daytime. And, you know, they come back and they're like, why can't we have that here? You know, they're like, why is it so different? Like, I want to go to Spain. And, you know, it's, it's, it's so difficult to change a culture that's been so ingrained. You know, even if they wanted to, it's, it's so yes. challenging. Uh, to, to change exactly but you know slowly but surely I, I know that a lot of these, these issues were brought up to the government and government's taking uh, proactive action 
Um, but I want to bring us back to you. So let's go ahead and, and get back to you and you telling me you're studying in Korea. You just told us how much you love the culture and how much you really respect it and you're learning the language. What was the next step in your Korean adventure? I ended up in Korea University after studying Korean language for a year in Cheonan, uh, the first place where I went to. And, uh, you know, when I was when I was in Cheonan, I, I traveled to Seoul and uh, at that time I got really a little bit used to with, with the cities because I used to travel within Cheonan and go to the city and see see things and, you know, shop around and just, you know, have some fun with friends uh, from different countries. And then we started traveling as tourists. So we, we came to Seoul as tourists mm -hmm. and I, I, I started like seeing new new world. It was a new world for me, like, you know, coming from the mountains and, you know, I seeing like all these skyscrapers it was a little bit scary in the beginning but then like it was it was a different world and there was so much life in seoul like you lived here you know about Seoul. like seoul never sleeps i mean mm. there's something happening all like you know somewhere at even 4 a.m 5 a.m whatever time you you go anywhere there is something happening so it was there was so much life in the city and there was like everybody was so busy and having fun, working, whatever, like whatever you want to do, you could do in the city. And that kind of like attracted me like, oh, this this is a fine place to be at. And then I, I, I applied for Korea University. And after language, I came to Seoul. I got into one of the good schools, the Sky, they call the Sky Universities. I went to Korea University and I, I, I did my electrical engineering in Korea University. While I was doing electrical engineering in Korea University, I participated in a lot of uh, community activities because I want to learn more than what the school teaches. Uh, you know, I want it because I, I had this future dream that I want to I want to do something uh, bigger than myself. Uh, so I just for, for for that dream and that 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 plan in my head, I want to learn a lot of things. So did some uh, activities out of the school. We, we used to go volunteering at the senior citizen centers and you know like orphanages and uh you know play football with the guys on weekend and then all of the guys go together and do something for the society and and give it back to the society and stuff so, so we we used to spend time like that and then i i started doing some student organizations you know when i came to korea for the first time people didn't know much about pakistan uh, people people as i said like you know uh, overall, Islamic uh, countries were not having a very good image in Korea. And me coming from a, a, one of the safest places on earth, you know, Jordan, in my hometown, we don't close doors. We don't lock doors because the, the prime rate is zero. Nobody goes in your house and steals something. But when I came here and I said I'm from Pakistan, people will be like, oh, is there terrorism? Are they still fighting or something like that? I was like kind of sad. It was a little bit sad for me. And then I, I, I had this plan in my head and then some of my friends, my seniors from Pakistan, we, we ganged up together. And in 2010, we decided to make a student organization because students could, you know, promote the culture in a, in a right way, in, a, in an academic way, in a more polite way. Uh, you know, students know they study about other cultures, too. They study about the Korean culture and then, you know, they know about the Korean culture and you know, you would promote your culture in a way that Korean people would want to hear from you. Mm -hmm. So that's why we decided to like, okay, let's let's make up, let's make a student organization. So we made Pakistan Student Association in 2010, and uh, at that time we had like 300 students in in Korea from Pakistan. 
but now like and then we 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 made that student association to also let young people in Pakistan know that hey Korea has a really good education system and they have really good universities because back home in Pakistan whenever you think as i said like people would go to Italy America Europe UK like all these uh, places which are famous Australia but they would never think of China Korea Japan so we started like promoting korean education korean universities the scholarships and everything and then a lot of students in pakistan started applying and we we kind of guide them for free like hey apply there's scholarship you apply like this 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 and today for like uh, our student organization in korea we we started with 300 and now we have almost 3000 students in korea so that so we help the society will help the community back home bringing a lot of people on scholarships and at the same time we we kind of like built a group and we ganged up together as a team and then we started learning about korean culture i i always requested pakistani friends to not only just study what you study at school come out go to the society meet the korean people learn a lot of things from them because when you go back to pakistan even when you go back to pakistan if you go only with a degree you will be no different with anybody else in pakistan because he has a degree too mm-hmm. right he graduated from electrical engineering in pakistan you might have graduated in electrical engineering in korea maybe there's only a difference that oh you graduated from a different country but if you learn the culture if you learn new things that a student in pakistan cannot learn that's where you can make a difference and that's where you go back and you kind of like contribute in your country and you help your country to grow as well you know with the new things that you learn so that's where we started like bringing people out of their schools and you know like getting immersed with the korean culture a lot of pakistani students did really good job and they learned a lot of good things in korea and now they went back uh, a lot of my friends are working as professors you know lecturers in universities back home after doing phd or masters and phd in korea and they're doing really good job and i feel so happy you know we all feel so happy that these guys learn a lot of good things and now pakistan is also learning with those uh, or like the new generation is learning from those people so this is how like we started so and then we introduced pakistani culture korean people started knowing about pakistani culture oh pakistan because you see like i said like i feel so so bad when people thought me as a as a bad guy or as a as a dangerous guy when i came to like a place where we don't we never fight we don't have this concept of fighting and stuff like that especially in the mountains so this is this is like you know one of the things that i did uh, while i was uh, doing school and uh, another thing that i did was you know, like not only promoting pakistan but i want i wanted to promote korean culture in pa- pakistan too so uh, one one thing we did was like the pakistani student we made the pakistani students learn as much uh, as possible in korea and uh, you know meet the korean people learn that learn from them and respect them and stuff and at the same time i wanted to contribute in korea too so i i did like Seoul International Students Forum in 2012 I was actually the president of Seoul International Students Forum the Seoul government mayor nominated me as the president we I like we had 100 students from all over the world really good students who were studying in Korea to make we we worked for 6 months uh, and the topic and the things that we worked on were like we we did research how can Seoul be a more foreigner friendly city mm-hmm. You know, not only like Pakistanis, not only Muslims, not only uh, Americans, not only Europeans, but people from every different part of the world. So in those hundred students, we had people from all over the world. So we thought about like, how could it be good? 
for this community? How could Seoul be a good place for that community? So we did, and we made six proposals and we gave it to the Seoul city mayor. Uh, we presented the Seoul city mayor and they kind of applied it. Today, I see some of those things uh, happening in, in Korea, you know, and, you know, which is really good for, for foreigners because they are having a way better life, a way more friendly life in Korea. That was one of the things that I did. And then we, we, we did sports, man, sports. I see everything as an opportunity to learn. You know, I met great people like you, Jordan, people from all over the world, like amazing people, man. You know, doing all that kind of thing. And then I graduated and I got a job in Korea. And then I started working for a Korean company. What I did in, in that Korean company was I kind of like, you know, because I want to contribute in Pakistan too. Mm -hmm. So I, I took this company to Pakistan because Pakistan needs foreign investment. And there are a lot of development projects that needs to be done in Pakistan. So I took this Korean company to Pakistan and we did a big project in Pakistan for power because pa Pakistan has power shortage and uh, energy problems. So, and then I ended up on TV. The reason why I ended up on TV was not because I wanted to be a celebrity, but the same thing, like, you know, I wanted to introduce Pakistan and my culture to the Korean masses, like more people, not only universities with the student organization we were introducing Pakistani culture and the Muslim culture to the students and doing uh, events together. But I wanted to reach a bigger, bigger target, a bigger number of people. So that's where I started looking for opportunities in media. And I luckily got a show on Arirang TV. And that's where mm -hmm. I started the TV shows. So it seems like you were really, uh, you were very motivated and passionate about sharing your culture and sharing other cultures and you know bringing people together is there like a future vision you have for this or is this like a constant day battle of like hey how can i how can i you know bring people together every day well i i, I definitely have a future plan because i i came from a place where uh, where still a lot of things need to be done and i live in a place where a lot of things are going really great as you said like korea is now a global phenomena so there are a lot of things you can learn from korea and then you can you can take them back home and then apply them in your country, apply them in your home. So I have a future plan that I want to be a politician mm -hmm. in my late 40s or early 50s uh, back home in Pakistan. So all these kind of things I'm doing is like just to learn as much as possible, learn how you respect different cultures, learn how you connect with people from different cultures, learn how you bridge them together not only culturally, but economically with sports, food, whatever you can, you can connect, uh, you can connect yourself with them or you can connect different people. So now like I'm, I'm in close contact with the K-pop fans in Pakistan. And I always try to like encourage them, like, because K-pop is something new in Pakistan and it's growing so fast. And I encourage them like, Oh, you guys keep it up. One day BTS will come to Pakistan, although it's hard, but I keep them encouraging. Like, you know, <laughs> Hey, why not? <laughs> because, because, because the thing is, like when you when you create when you create a lot of uh, fandom for for the for Korean culture in Pakistan later when I when I want to do something between Korea and Pakistan I think these people will be a great resource for me great great like you know uh, like we would work as a team together so uh, that's that's my future plan and based on that future plan um, I'm trying to learn as much as possible. I got a lot of wrinkles, man. And these wrinkles are not because I'm old. These wrinkles are experience. 
And these wrinkles are experiential learning, you know, I'm proud of them, but like, you know, trying to learn as much as possible. I see, I see you've adapted the Korean culture. You have sponge it in that learning and education is the most important thing at all costs. <laughs> it doesn't matter. That's really true. Yesterday I met the minister of justice in Korea mm -hmm. and uh, like we, like not only me, but like a group of people, a group of foreigners who, who will be working as mentors for the ministry of justice. And I, I said one thing over there that I, I, I directly said it to the minister, like, this is first time that we're sitting with the people from the Ministry of Justice. I was always scared of you guys. And this is so different. Like, <laughs> I was always, you know, because whenever we go to the immigration for extending the visa, we're always stressed, like, oh, I don't know what kind of person we will face today. And... Um, I don't know if they will cancel my visa or I don't know if I missed a document and I have to wait for the entire day. So I felt like it was really scary and I we, we used to be stressed. But now, you know, the minister herself is sitting on one table with some random foreigners. Like we, we're nothing. We're just here as foreigners learning and, you know, doing what I'm doing our things. But she was there with us, man. It's funny you're talking about the going to the immigration office. Reminds me of the time that I went to the immigration office to get my uh, visa extended. And all of a sudden they're like, you owe $300. I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, you, you, change your address. you change your address and you didn't tell us about it. And I was like, wow, what? And then, and then they're like, I was like, this is crazy. I want to talk to a manager. How am I going to pay $300 for like, this is ridiculous. Like why? And then she pulls out this whole handbook. And it's like, it's huge. It's like the size of this map. And oh my God. All writing. And she's like, it is your duty as an, as an expat here to read all the rules and regulations. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then she like offered me like a 10% discount. I'm like, no, I'm not gonna pay a discount on my fine. If I'm gonna pay, I'm gonna pay it right. <laughs> so uh, yeah, she was an amazing lady. Amazing lady. Yeah. So so you are in school then, and then um, so where does this catalyst of you kind of getting immersed into TV and getting in, in more involved in terms of doing this diplomatic work? Where is that catalyst? Where does that start from? So um like is as I said, like you know, uh, I felt really bad when I uh, when I saw that people didn't know much about, about Pakistan, mm -hmm. and uh, people didn't know much about my culture, and people were associating me and a lot of other people from Pakistan with something that we totally not uh, related to. You know, like uh, like of course we we had some issues like terrorism issues because of uh, some global, uh, uh, you know, like uh, main major crisis, like we had 9-11 and then after 9-11, we had uh, US and Afghan war. And because we, we, we touched borders with Afghanistan. So we, there was no, there, there is no way that you don't feel the effect of a war happening right next to your door. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately we had these kind of unlucky, unlucky things. And before the Afghan war, you know, there was uh, the Soviet war with Afghanistan a long time ago in the 1980s, uh, you know, during after the Cold War. So the Soviets uh, attacked Afghanistan. And then at that time, the U.S. and Pakistan kind of like helped Afghanistan to defend themselves from the Soviets. So, you know, all these kind of major issues uh, around there kind of like affected the, the country, unfortunately. And actually, so people when people say that there is. Pakistanis are terrorists and there are a lot of Pakistanis who are ter doing terrorism and stuff. We are unfortunately the country that lost the, the biggest number of people in this war against terrorism. Mm -hmm. uh, we lost like almost 70,000 people. So it was really, really sad for a person from Pakistan. Uh, you know, we, 
I I even lost some friends who went army in this war on terrorist terror. You know, like because of the war on terror it, along the borders with with Afghanistan. In that in that locality, like uh, I I kind of some of my friends got affected. Like they they got like wounded in in that thing. So I feel really really I felt really bad when I heard like people associating us with like in the taxi drivers in Korea. When you take a taxi, they will ask like, oh, "Where are you from?" And then if you say, "Oh, I'm from America," oh, hi, hello, hey, well, or something like that. And then when you say like, "Oh, I'm from Pakistan," like they would do like, "Oh, you're from a country," like this <laughs> kind of sign. So it made me feel like really sick. Like, why, why would you do that? Like, you know. So this was the thing that that built uh, built uh, kind of like uh, an appetite in in me to to make a difference to let people know what we really are and what we really stand for and stuff so this was the main thing actually for for me to go into media and as, as i said i i got a show in arirang tv and that show was called bring it on you can go to youtube and watch it like uh, arirang tv bring it on and that show was the show where people from different countries would come and they would they would present about their culture their country different aspects of their country and it was a competition between different countries and uh we were 18 countries in that show. That was my first show in Korea on TV, and I was representing Pakistan. And the topic that I discussed there was the Himalayas. I I, I talked about polo. I talked about Pakistani traditional music, kawali, and some other things like that. And then I fortunately uh, won the entire show. I was the champion of that show out of 18 countries, and that gave me a little bit of confidence that. Although uh, people don't know about my country, but the thing is, if I present it in the right way, if I present it in, in a nice way, the way you are, I think people are going to like it. So this gave me a confidence in me. And then I started like looking for even bigger because that show was in English. And my, my main target was not like a global uh, audience. My main target was the Korean audience because I'm here. I need to contribute here. I expect the same from a Pakistani who is living in, in the U.S. I expect the same from a Pakistani who is living somewhere else to do in their communities. You cannot promote your culture unless you don't respect and accept the host culture. If you're in America, you have to accept the American culture. You have to accept, you have to respect the American culture and values. That's where people will start learning to you, listening to you. That's what I did. I, I kind of like put myself in the Korean culture. I respected it so much. I, I, I loved it. I respect it from my heart, not just to live in Korea, but, you know, because it's, it's, it's a great thing to learn something new. And we should respect each other. We should respect different cultures all the time. So that's where Koreans started like, oh, this guy loves my culture. I want to learn about his culture, too. You know, this kind of feeling, like give and take and then like respect each other. Mutual. It should be always mutual, not one-sided. So then this, there was a big show happening in Korea, one of the top five shows, the non-summit, where foreigners would sit. It's called Pijong Samhedam in Korea, where for, a group of foreigners will sit and they will talk like, they will suit it up and talk about like politics, culture, different things, like different issues. And then that show, uh, you know, somebody recommended me to that show, one of my friends. And then they called me and they said like, hey, we want to have an interview with you because we have a show and blah, blah, blah. So after this show, I kind of like uh, popped up in the media world. So they uh -huh. contacted me out the interview and they kind of liked it. And within, within a month, I was on another show. And that show, I did that show for almost two years and it was in Korean. Uh, believe me, uh, like, you know, I always say that Koreans are always ready to learn and they're always ready to 
respect after they learn. Uh, you know, they didn't know about Pakistan, but when I went to that show, millions of people were watching that show and we were speaking Korean. And after that show, like, you know, people totally changed their mind about Pakistan, about Pakistani culture. They started traveling. A lot of people would go to the embassy for getting a visa to Pakistan. And then the embassy would call me, hey, Zahid, there are people here in the embassy to get a visa for Pakistan. And we asked them like, why you do, why you want to go to Pakistan? They, they were telling us that they watched your show and they want to go to Pakistan. Wow. So this was like, like th that was really amazing. Like Koreans were so ready to accept the facts from a person like they, they they would prefer a person belonging to that particular part of the world than the 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 the, the, the things they they listen from the news. So I was so happy, and this gave me more confidence to like keep it going on. And then I I kept it up, and I went to different shows, different shows, and then I started talking about the Islamic culture because that's again a big topic that was needed to be introduced in Korea. Halal food, and then the Korean government took me as an ambassador for the Korea tourism organization because they wanted to promote Korean tourism in the Muslim countries. And I would go to the Korean uh, Korean government and I would lecture them on what halal food is, how you made it, how you differentiate from other food, what kind of food, you know, in Korea, when you say halal food, they would be like, oh, there's no halal food in Korea. They would think like halal food is something, you know, coming from the skies or, or it's something that <laughs> that is something different. Korean food, Already more than 50% of Korean food are halal, but Koreans don't know it. Foreign, like Muslims don't know it. Koreans don't know it. This is the thing that I want people to know that as far as there's no meat, as far as there's no alcohol, it is halal. And there are a lot mm -hmm. of food in Korea which doesn't have meat, so it is halal. So these were the things that I started to tell the Korean government and they they kind of like make started making like, you know, Muslim-friendly restaurants, pork-free restaurants, halal restaurants, and they kind of like started sponsoring these kind of businesses in Korea to make Korea a more Muslim-friendly country now too. So, you know, this is this is amazing. After we went to these TV shows and talked about the culture, people started accepting it and respecting it. And that's where Korean government started changing policies also to make it more Muslim-friendly and more multicultural. You know, as I, I always say, the world is now nomadic. You know, a long time ago, we used to be nomads. Like we, you stay at one place and then when the food is over, you go to another mountain where there's some food left for your animals and then you stay there for a month. This is the same now, you know? You go to America, there's a good school, you study there and then you go to the, U the UK because there's something good there and then you go to Korea because there's a teaching teaching uh, environment, like there's a teaching job and you want to learn the new culture. Then you go to Pakistan because there are a lot of mountains to go, beautiful mountains. So this is like, we keep moving now. Like the world is now a global village. So now Korea is, you know, trying to catch uh, with, that, with that flow of the world and they're doing a really good job and... Uh, uh, this is where, like, uh, after I went to media, well, we, these things started happening. And this kept me involved in the entire process as mm. it flows. Absolutely. Yeah. And kind of this, this, the whole show started right here is to kind of highlight that nomadic lifestyle that we're living, that there are job opportunities abroad. There are educational opportunities in Korea. There is yeah. work in Australia that, you know, we, we are, you know, as you said, a while back, we were having nomadic culture. And so I think it's coming back now, especially with the advent of the Internet. Of course, this pandemic has kind of disrupted everything. Uh, but we were we were uh, yeah. on that path to kind of creating more and more of this nomadic lifestyle. So you, you're telling me kind of how you're getting involved here with the TV shows and in media. And I saw you kind of have a, a pretty big following over there on Instagram. 
So how did you become <laughs> honorary ambassador of the, the, the of the Olympics in Pyeongchang in 2018? It was it was a really funny story. Um, like when when the when the Olympics was uh, being planned, and like you know they were they were working on on like preparing all doing all the final preparations for for the Olympics, and people in different countries were thinking that it is because you know it was Pyeongchang Olympic, but people mm-hmm. were thinking it's North Korea because. Pyeongchang sounds like Pyongyang. Yeah, Pyongyang. Yeah, the capital of North Korea. So a lot of people in different countries were were thinking that oh, the Olympics is happening in North Korea, and South Koreans were really, 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 you know, worried about this because like people would not come uh, because the North Korean image uh, is is not very good, unfortunately, around the world. So people would not come, and plus, uh, their image is not being promoted. Like they're they're putting a lot of efforts. In the, in the Olympics, but then people are people don't know that this is being happened in in South Korea. So they they I I think they came up with this uh, with this idea that I think uh, we should we should involve a lot of foreign influencers uh, to get the word to their countries and let people hear about it. And then at that time, fortunately, we uh, we were like some of my friends and I were doing TV shows and we were very active in the Korean uh, community, doing like kind of like helping the Korean society. To, to get promoted in different countries and and then the the the, the entertainment agency that I was a part of uh, they also kind of like recommended that like you know if you if you do uh, these uh, these people uh, if they promote the Olympics it would be better and it would be a good help for the Korean government and then of course they uh, I I had done some projects with the government too already so uh, they kind of like yeah they were happy to take us on board. To make this happen, and you know, I somehow uh, uh, contributed in promoting this in Pakistan. You know, because we had some athletes from coming from Pakistan too, and uh, uh, so I kind of like promoted this in Pakistan. And a lot of people from Pakistan watched it online, or some people even came to Korea. So yeah, this 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 was the help that I little bit contributed in the Olympics, and that's what that's how I made it up there. Yeah, that's really cool. And we have a couple of photos of you. Uh, over there in with <laughs> gang here. What is what are you holding over here? Oh, that's the Olympic lamp. That's the Olympic lamp. Uh, uh, when you know, uh, in when when it goes to the country where the Olympics is being played, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the 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 president of the country or some some people, some sort of people like that, they would receive this from the Olympics uh, International Olympic Community Committee, and then uh, this. Lamb goes to all different cities uh, of that country, and then uh, you know, like some government people or some some uh, sort of public public people would take this lamp and go to different cities. And I I got this amazing opportunity to go to one of the city, one of the small cities in in the countryside in Korea, to to take this lamp and tell them that the the, the Olympics is being happening. So you should you should come watch in Pyeongchang and you know like uh, stuff like that. So we had a parade. And I, I was, le- I was leading the parade in one of the cities with one of my friends from America. Mm-hmm. He's also doing uh, TV shows and and radios in Korea. An amazing guy from America. So we did uh, in one city together, and that was the Olympic lamp that I took. That was the official Olympic lamp. I was like, damn, this is the official lamp, you know. Mm-hmm. And being a sportsman, like we played football, we played. I play field hockey in Korea, and. So uh, for me, it was like amazing. Like I'm, I'm doing something big in the in the sports thing, you know. Uh-huh. But again, like you know, it was just to help the the Olympics. Yeah, 
That's that's awesome. And then how did that lead to getting also nominated as the honorary citizen of Seoul? I, I lived in Seoul for for quite a long time, and uh, you know I was trying to contribute uh, in the growth of the city. As I, I I told you the story that I we we made six proposals for Seoul government when I was a student in 2012. Uh, Hundred students from different countries. We made six proposals and we presented it to the mayor of Seoul. Uh, and he really liked them. And so uh, that was one project I did for the Seoul government. And I did some volunteerings in the Seoul, in, 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 in Seoul with the Seoul government. And I actually, with some of my friends, uh, I also made the, we, not, I cannot say I, but a group of people and I, like together, we made the first field hockey, foreigners field hockey team in Korea in mm-hmm. 2014. Uh, because, you know, uh, people who who loved you know expats uh, you know co- Korea want expat expats to have a good life in Korea. Mm-hmm. So pe- people like you and me, we we loved soccer. So we used to play soccer on the weekends and we enjoyed life in Korea. But uh, some people playing like basketball, they were enjoying foot like football and, and and baseball. They were they were they were having facilities to to enjoy their life. But the people who play field hockey, ice hockey, there was ice hockey in Korea. But the people who yeah. play field hockey. They didn't have this this thing, you know. There was nothing happening for foreigners, for expats to 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 play field hockey. And then we we worked really hard, and then we made uh, the first field hockey international team in Yongsan. Wow. We called it Yongsan Yongsan uh, Tigers, um, and uh, not not Yongsan Tigers, Namsan Tigers. Uh-huh. So we, we made this first field hockey team, and they're still playing. I I can't make it to play, but now that the team is playing, so. This was another thing that we built in in Seoul, and you know, step by step, few these kind of things were happening. And then uh, through the through the TV shows, we were kind of introducing new culture. So multiculturalism was growing in Korea, in Seoul specifically, in Seoul because this is the hub of all foreigners. Mm-hmm. So uh, these were some of the contributions that I was I was making with the with the Seoul government. And then they kind of like uh, you know some some organizations in Seoul and all, also the Pakistan embassy in Seoul uh, recommended me uh, to the Seoul government to as a, as an honorary citizen and they kind of like I don't know why they accepted but they accepted me as one of the <laughs> honorary citizen and yeah that's how I got it man. Yeah, very cool. Congratulations on that. I think you well deserved. Thanks, thanks. thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Yeah, like Seoul is my second home, and you know, being an honorary citizen of of the the second home uh, is something that I can't I can't expect something more than that. Very cool story. That's so yeah. inspirational for you. To, you know where we started off the story of you coming from that, that mud over there that you you talk about in the Himalayas to moving to a country uh, that is so foreign to you and immersing yourself and becoming the, you know, a, an honorary citizen of a massive metro- metropolis and cosmopolitan city. That's amazing. You know, that, that is really, really cool. And that's kind of where the inspiration for me bringing on the show was because I really wanted to, to bring this story out. The last thing I wanted to chat about was you, you mentioned a lot about halal food. This, this keeps coming up the, the, um, the uh, availability of halal food and making Korea Muslim friendly. So tell us a little bit about uh, what you've been doing for that. As I said, like back in 2008, 2010, we, we, uh, there were not many shops, there were not many restaurants, but then 
uh, as Korea uh, developed a uh, lot of uh, grocery shops of halal food, the, 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 the halal food concept itself, you know, Koreans now know what halal food is. Koreans now know what Islamic culture is. I go to universities, I go to different uh, government institutions, not only me, a lot of other uh, Muslim uh, guy, Muslim people who are who are active in Korea, who, who love the Korean culture, they are also uh, contributing in going around and telling people, you know, uh, about these different cultures and they, the Korean people are knowing about it. Now when they know about it, you know, it's easy uh, for you to to establish uh, like restaurants and people want to try what is halal food so restaurants could be like a good business and and that's that's uh, that's how like you know uh, the the things are getting better in Korea and uh, uh, what what like when I, I, I moved to Seoul uh, we used to walk all the way to Itaewon I used to live in in near Korea University and at that time, like I used to, we used to walk to Itaewon and hold the the big bag of grocery, and you know, like the the, the hands would would get like really really bad because of the, the the shopping bags. Because you know, when you're a student, you don't have enough money to take a taxi all the time when you go grocery. And then, unfortunately, in Korea, the international grocery is expensive. So uh, as a student, uh, I was having a hard time back then. So I had this this pain somewhere in my head. And now, when I have the resources, and when I, when I, when I was at a, at a, in a, in a position that I could do something in that too. So uh, that's why a friend of mine and I together uh, founded uh, the largest international grocery shop, online shop uh, in Korea. And uh, our main product is halal food. We wanted uh, Muslims who are coming to Korea to 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 get halal food very easily wherever they are in Korea even if you are in Jeju Island Busan wherever we we reach there within 24 hours if you order from our shijang that's that's what we call it shijang means uh, market in korean it's a korean word so we just uh, wrote it in english uh, shijang.com and on shijang.com so i i just wanted the foreigners life uh, become a little bit easier so we don't have only halal halal products. We have products from all over the world. We have a lot of hundred types of cheese from from Europe. We have a lot of pastes and sauces from America. We have spaghetti pasta, really cheap price pasta from from Italy, and you know like things. We have we have products from Southeast Asia. But major product that I really wanted the Muslim people living in Korea to easily get is the halal food. We have halal meat halal food and everything on our on our market and that is my main project that i did recently and i'm too busy with that these days now the question is if you put well, i had the trouble in getting in seoul what i always wanted were some hot cheetos from the u.s i'm probably you don't have that yeah. yet do we don't we don't have it yet but it's going to be there soon now you yeah. told me i'm going to get it soon i'm going to get it soon for him. i remember it was a hot commodity trying to find the one foreign store and you're right it is hard to find some of these foreign foods in, in korea and sometimes yes. you are for the weirdest reason when you are away from korea all you want is korean food you're like oh man i just want everything with <laughs> you come to korea and all you crave is just like home for uh, food from back home like pop tarts and cheetos and whatever you have from back home and so i I remember how hard of a struggle it is. It's nice that you kind of took that pain point and you did something about it. You created your online grocery store, I'm sorry, grocery marketplace. And that's that's really fantastic. I think that's so cool to take initiative and, 
and start on that. So how, how was that, while we're wrapping things up, how was that experience starting a company in, in Korea? Being a foreigner, it's still hard to start a, start a company in Korea. Mm. Uh, but but the, the good thing for me was because I have the F2 visa, which is the, the residence visa. Uh, not the permanent residence. The permanent residence is F5 visa, but the F2 visa is pretty similar to the permanent residence visa. So if you have that visa, you don't. You, there's not much trouble. It's just like a Korean opening a, a company in, in Korea, and it doesn't take much time. The process is easy. So we 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 registered a startup, and we partner up with. You might know Foreign Food Mart in Itaewon, okay. the big mart. Uh, yeah, yeah. So he's he's our partner, and he we we get all the supplies from them because they're importing from different countries already. So we we didn't get into the import part yet because uh, we want to build the marketplace first, and then once we have a good marketplace, then we might move into the import uh, import part ourselves too. So he's our partner, and that's what we we ganged up together, uh, and we we established a company. Like establishing a company for F two visa holders or F five visa holders is comparatively easier as com- than than a D eight uh, business visa guy or a student a student who is here studying. They have to show uh, $100,000 capital right. and it takes some time and stuff like that. But for me, because I have the F2 visa, it was uh, easier for me. We don't need the capital. We, we just need an office and, and start from there. And I'm so excited for this whole, uh, your adventure. I love when people start their own initiatives and their own businesses and I'm going to follow it. And uh, so if you do want to check out some international food, if you're living in Korea, shejang.com. Zahid, we're taking it, uh, we're finishing things up here and we, at the end of our show, have this tradition of our travel tribe toss up. So I ask you three questions. Tell me what comes to mind. All right. So the first thing I thought of when I was uh, preparing for the show is if one person were to visit Pakistan for one week, what itinerary would you recommend for them, including places to visit and food to try? I think my itinerary would be uh, I I would suggest them to land in Islamabad and stay uh, stay a day in Islamabad because it's the capital and it's a very cool and calm city. Uh, The reason why I want people to land in Islamabad is the first image of Pakistan would be changed because people will always think like a crowded Pakistan, like too many people, but Islamabad is a, is a cooler place. So that's where you start. And then you grow a little bit, a little bit slowly. And then I, um, if, if uh, my, my recommendation would be to drive from Islamabad or to fly from Islamabad to Lahore, because Lahore is the, is the capital of our culture, is the capital of our history. So you you have you can see the historical uh, Pakistan, the old Pakistan. Lahore is a city where you can see old Pakistan, really really old buildings, really old houses, too much crowd, you know, because the population is huge. We have 120, like we have 220 million people in Pakistan. It's the sixth biggest population in the world. So we do have a lot of people in all the major cities. So from there you go to to Lahore, and Lahore you try all the amazing food. Uh, there's so much like biryani, karai, so many food, man. So many food, like, you know, like you, you start from the morning and I would say, I, w- I would recommend for people who would like to travel to Pakistan one day, watch, uh, videos from, from YouTube, like Drew Bruski, uh, Eva Zubek, these, these travel vloggers, they, they are, they're uh, like, you know, doing a great job and the history and culture. 
center would be Lahore. And from Lahore, I would recommend you to, to go to go back to Islamabad, Rawalpindi, which is near Islamabad, and cross it, go to Texala. Texala is the, the, the center of Gandhara civilization. I don't know if you heard about Gandhara civilization. It was one of the, civili the major civilizations. You might have heard about Indus Valley, Valley civilization. That was also Pakistan. And we had a second civilization, uh, which was Gandhara civilization. It was the Buddhism uh, center uh, in old ages. So Pakistan actually was the center of Buddhism a long time ago, in, historically. There's a, there's, a there's a relationship with Korea and Pakistan historically. Buddhism in Korea came from Pakistan. At that time, we didn't have Pakistan. It was Gandhara. So a monk from Gandhara came all the way to Korea, and he 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 preached Buddhism in Korea. And today, Korea is so much uh, strong in Buddhism. The beautiful culture, you know, like the beautiful, but like there's so much happening around in Buddhism. But in Pakistan, we only have the ruins of Buddhism. So you know, like it, it moved to to Korea. So. That's where you can see a lot of old Buddhism heritage things like, you know, like the, one of the first universities of the world was make was made in Texala. It's a small city in, in Pakistan. And then from there, I would like them to go to, to Peshawar and uh, some other parts called Sawabi. Uh, there also it was also the part of Gandhara civilization. You will see so much of the Buddhism uh, heritage, not only Buddhism, Alex, uh, like Alexander and uh buddha uh, we we call it the place where alexander and buddhism made uh, mm -hmm. meet so uh you know the the european culture and buddhism culture uh, combined together and 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 you know they 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 made a fusion uh, world and it, it, so much so much to learn from there you know they were although they were totally different europe and asian asian culture and european culture but they lived together they were you know they had a good civilization together so where we can learn from them that even now, like, you know, we're fighting, we're, we're doing so much, uh, you know, like harm to each other, fighting for economy, fighting for territories, fighting for land. We can learn from those people if you go go to those places, you know, from the heritages. So that's where I would recommend you to go. And then from there, you you take don't take a flight, take, the, take a car or a bus to the Karakaram Highway. The Karakaram Highway, Jordan, is one of the, the 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 highest highways in the world mm -hmm. it connects pakistan with china that's the highway that i i want uh, people to go on a, on a on a private car uh, on that way you go to a place called swat mm -hmm. spend a day or a little bit in swat swat is one of the places uh, which was unfortunately hit bad by tourism uh, after 9/11 but now it's totally uh, recovered and it's a beautiful place it, it you know, it, it used to be the place to stop over when uh, European or American backpackers uh, would travel to the Himalayas and walk walk through these mountains. They would, mm -hmm. uh, you know, stay in Sawat and smoke smoke things that we. <laughs> I cannot talk here. You know, yeah. <laughs> they, uh, they they would go there and you know like have some uh, a day off from their walkings and from their hikings and they would stay there in that part. It's a beautiful place, like fresh mountain, mountain streams, small mountains, like green mountains, so much, uh, so much, you know, like peace in there. Mm -hmm. So after that, I would love them to keep going up on the Karakaram Highway and go to my hometown, Gilgit Baltistan. Gilgit Baltistan, Jordan is one of the places which is 
I think highly uh, underrated uh, or they were all over the world. Uh, my hometown has so much to see. It's, it's, I'm not saying it's because it's my hometown. I have traveled to a few countries, but I, I, I think like it's, it's a very unique place. You know, the people are so nice. People are so welcoming. You know, if you go to my hometown, uh, people, when they see the foreigner coming, they would all, everybody would try to take you to their home. And they would say like, hey, come to our house and have a cup of tea. So have a cup of tea is a line that everybody would say to you in Pakistan majorly, in like all over Pakistan. But in my hometown, they would say like, come to my house to have a cup of tea. Mm -hmm. And you don't need to be scared. In that part of the world, you know, things are really safe. Things are really under control. I mean, you can go to any, any, any house and sit with them, you know, see the family culture, have some food together. They would keep feeding you. <laughs> with the with the dry fruits dry fruit like in my hometown we have a lot of fruits like apricots and almonds and walnuts so we we dry them up in summer and then we eat all all year round that's why people in my hometown live longer lives mm. it's famous that people people go over 100 years or 120 110 it's famous for living longer life uh, because we we drink the himalayan water uh, the totally mineral, it's so uh, mineral water. So we drink the Himalayan water and we eat organic food like dry fruits, vegetables that we grow in those mountains. So people live longer. That's, that's what it's, it's famous for. So you go to the Gilgit and go to Hunza. Hunza is one of the most famous uh, valleys in the Northern Pakistan. You, if you uh, type it on Google Hunza Valley, you will see it's, it's so beautiful. And there they like, uh, the, the community that lives in that small town, Hunza, uh, they are they are they are so educated people. They, they educate the literacy rate in Hunza is hundred percent, Jordan. Wow. It's one of the most educated uh, towns in Pakistan. So and then from Hunza, you travel around to Hunza and go to the border of China and Pakistan. There is a place. There's a there's a we call it a, a gateway from between China and Pakistan. It's the highest border in the world. It's mm -hmm. one of the highest borders in the world, the highest open borders, uh, not militarized borders, the highest open borders in the world. Go there and take some pictures. You know, you can cross into China for a bit and then come back uh, and then you keep going to. And then I would recommend you to go to Skardu. Skardu is the place where you can see you can go to K2 Mountain. There are, there are lots of mountains in, in, in my part of the world where. Jordan, you if you like mountains, you go to my hometown and ask the people, hey, which mountain do you think nobody went up to? There are lots of mountains nobody went up to. Jordan will go and Jordan, you go up there and say, hey, I'm the first person in this mountain. And today, from today, I want this mountain to be named as Jordan. It will happen. <laughs> there are so many mountains in that part of the world. Like we have four, like out of the 14, 8,000 meter high mountains in the world, Five of them are in my hometown, uh, wow. like K2, Nanga Parbat, uh, Rakaposhi, uh, Mashabrum uh, 1 and Mashabrum 2. Like uh, these five mountains are like the top 8,000 meters high mountains. Uh, we have only 14 mountains in the entire world and five of, five of them are in my hometown. And these places, nobody knows. A lot of people <laughs> don't know. And today on travel... Travel Tribe, uh, your channel, Jordan. I want the world to know that there are so much to see, there's so much to do, uh, and and the, above all, it's a very peaceful place. It's a very safe place. It's it's the people are really nice and friendly, and they would love to see you. They they would take you as a blessing, as a guest, 
and you would love to spend some time over there and you can hike a lot of mountains and we have heli ski if you want heli ski come in winter and go heli ski and there's another challenge for people who are mountaineers k2 is the only mountain in the world which is not summit which is not summited yet in winter so if you want to do that be be the first person go there and do try k2 in in winter nobody could do it yet it's a big challenge for the world wow so this, this and then from there i want you to fly back there's a flight of 40 minutes from my hometown to islamabad fly back to islamabad take a day off and take it easy in Islam islamabad is a place where you just take it easy because it's a small town and have some nice food on the top of the mountain in Islamabad, there's a restaurant on the top of the mountain called Monal. It's a beautiful place. From there, you can see entire Islamabad. And that, that's how you close your one week. Wow. My gosh. I think you need a job on the Palestinian, uh, sorry, the Pakistani uh, tourism board. Oh, my gosh. That was. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> you see, really, they, should really make me, they should make me something in the tourism industry, right? <laughs> yeah, what the heck? That was just like the, the, the best. I think I have to make that into a YouTube clip. It was just so amazing of how to go. <laughs> um, all right. Question number two. Uh, all right, what sir. What is the most embarrassing moment or any kind of cultural misunderstanding that you have had while in Korea? <laughs> so uh, the, the funeral culture was different in Pakistan and in Korea. You know, in Pakistan, when you have a funeral, you just go there and, and, and just stay quiet and, you know, just flow with, the, flow with the masses. But in Korea, it was different. I didn't know. I expected, like, uh, it, it would be same. But one of my friends, um, you know, he's, he's, like he was my roommate when I was studying Korean language. He was a Korean guy. And uh, he, his, his dad passed away all of a sudden. And then I had, I had to go to, his, to the funeral. And I went there. I didn't know the Korean culture of like bowing and, you know, doing the things to the family and to the picture. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was dumb, dumb enough to not even, you know, Google it before I go there. And you know it was it was first time for me to go, and I went there, and I didn't do. And the it, the, the embarrassing part was not me not knowing it, but when I didn't know it, my friend was laughing. <laughs> His dad passed away. He was laughing. And that embarrassed me so much, and he he was just laughing at me. I was like, hey, dude, you you gotta teach me not laugh at me. Yeah. And that was like so embarrassing for me in front of his family and some of the people over there. Um, I I can never forget this. I can never forget this embarrassing mm -hmm. moment. That's that's fantastic. All right, last question. Uh, what has been the most underrated destination you have been to? Um, underrated destination I have been to. I think I've been to all the all the good rated destinations so far because <laughs> I didn't have much time to travel. To be very honest, so I have to. I've been to a few places which are uh, which were like good good rated, but. I would again say Jordan, like uh, I think my hometown is the most underrated place uh, for traveling. I think there's so much to to see. There's so much to there's so much to do. If whenever I get a chance, I will definitely make some adventure activities in my hometown too, because we we lack those kind of infrastructure so far. And uh, you know, when I the re one of the reasons that I wanted to be want to be a politician is because I want to contribute in in this kind of development because I have seen so much in Korea and I've learned so much in Korea. Especially Koreans are Koreans are doing so much. They're investing so much in tourism uh, to bring people from all over the world. You know, everything is uh, so so ori oriented uh, tourism oriented to welcome people from all over the world. But 
uh, Pakistani government is doing a great job. The current government is like, you know, the, the current prime minister is one of the most favorite prime ministers Pakistan ever had. And uh, he's, he's doing a great job to, to promote the Pakistani tourism. And, you know, it, it's going really well. A lot of people have started coming to Pakistan and the local tourism of Pakistan, because Pakistan is a huge, huge country, 220 million people, you know, even if uh, the local people start traveling here and there, I think the economy will will have a good, 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 good uh, impact uh, of, of the flow of money within the country. So, you know, but like my hometown doesn't have that much infrastructure. It, it is just natural. You know, everything is just natural. So if anybody wants to see nature in its original way, they should definitely come to my hometown. Uh, but of course, you know, if nature is uh, combined together with some some sort of, adventure or some sort of like you know like some activities then people would come more because they would uh, see nature and also have some fun together so these infrastructures we we lack yet and we are doing but i see a lot of things that are happening now so i want people from all over the world to please travel to my hometown uh, i think you you will love it and i always say as i as you mentioned earlier i i think we should travel to to such underrated places because people in there are waiting for us. Yeah. They are waiting for us to, to learn some new things from us. When we go there, they will learn from us and they will develop too. And that will bring their standard of life higher too. And this is how we can also not only travel and have fun, but also contribute while we're traveling, you know? So I would, I would, uh, I would invite everybody from all over the world who are listening to you, who will listen to this video while it stays on your, on your, on your page. Like anybody who watched this video, come to Gilgit Baltistan, come to Pakistan as as a like overall. Pakistan is an amazing place. Uh, it's it's a beautiful culture. It's a beautiful country. There are a lot of places so multicultural, so diverse. We have more than thirty different languages in 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 Pakistan. It's so much diverse, and you will find people who look like Koreans. We have Mongolian background people. You will find people who look like Europeans because we have Greek. Uh, background people when Alexander came here you know some some people were left over here and then you know we have those so we have like so much diversity in Pakistan and you would love to see that diversity you would love to see the crowd uh, and you would love to see some dust also mm -hmm. and uh, and the food is amazing there's so much diverse food and the mountains in in Gilgit Baltistan in my hometown in northern Pakistan and also in in Cape the Peshawar and Suwad these be places and Kashmir the, the the part of Kashmir that is in Pakistan is so beautiful and the part of Kashmir in Pakistan is open for tourists you can go and see that beautiful place uh, I think on the Indian side you know the things are not going well and the the, the place is closed for for tourists but in Pakistan it's very uh, it's very cool so you can travel to all these beautiful places so please come to Pakistan we would welcome you with a open heart like this <laughs> Fantastic. Well, that's a great way to wrap yeah. things up Zahid, it has been such a pleasure uh, to have you on the show. I love how we just started the show from the roots, from a small little Pakistani boy in his humble dwellings in the Himalayan life. And you've, you've grown and you've transitioned uh, and you've shown how positive thinking and persistent hard work can really get you anywhere you want. You, you've become somewhat of a Korean idol over there on, on TV shows. You've been, a, you know, you've been, you've been asked to be an honorary member of, of Seoul. Uh, you've been in the, in the Olympics as a representative as well. It's really cool to see somebody with such drive and such motivation to bring cultures together and who's, who's reaching out for bigger things and, and trying to, you know, 
bring the world a little bit smaller and bring it together. So thank you so much for uh, you being on our show. If people want to follow you or hear a little bit more about you and follow you as you as you progress and move forward, where can people find you? Um, uh, uh, before before I go there, I thank you, Jordan, for giving me this opportunity to talk talk about my story and talk about Korea and talk about Pakistan and you know talk about the things that I I feel the world world should be looking for and what world should be doing. And like young people like yourself and me, we should, we have this opportunity to contribute, and I think we should keep it up. And thank you so much for doing such an amazing show, Travel Tribe. You know, like move around, travel, and learn, and and contribute. This is so great, and I think I I'm looking forward to see much more and a lot of lot of good stories from from your channel. And I'll be uh, connected with your channel for 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 good now. Mm -hmm. And one day we will, we will be in Pakistan and shoot one special episode for your channel in Pakistan for sure one day. So thank you so much for having me here. Uh, I hope I hope it was a good talk for uh, for our listeners too. Uh, but I hope you, you guys liked it. I hope you guys learned a little bit from our conversation. Uh, although uh, I, we don't have much to teach you, but you know you know sometimes we learn new things. Uh, so thank you so much, everybody, to listen, and thank you, Jordan, for having me. If anybody wants to stay in touch, uh, want to know about Korea, want to know about Pakistan, want to know about uh, staying in Korea, want to know about having a job in Korea, want to know about starting a business in Korea, uh, or want to know about the things that I'm doing in Korea, if you want anything, if you want to travel to Korea, you know, I work as an ambassador for the Korea Tourism Organization. I can I can help you with information and you know like. Uh, things like that. So please uh, contact me on Instagram. Um, my Instagram is Zahid underscore PKKR. Uh, that's that's the uh, you know SNS I use um, I use often. And you, you can follow me on Facebook also. You can you can join me on Facebook also. And uh, my my Facebook is I think Zahid Hussein, just uh, my name full name. But yeah, Instagram is Zahid. Uh, underscore pkkr that's where i make too much noises all the time so you guys could be <laughs> connected with me but please please give me messages on on instagram if you if you want to know anything about what we talked today if you want to know more details i'll be happy to talk to you and i'll be happy to to help anybody around well that does it for this week's episode of travel tribe podcast join us each tuesday as we release new episodes with great adventures until then remember the most dangerous thing you can do in life is to play it safe Stay adventurous.